Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Outkick 360 is back. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Ready to go. Another great show on tap where John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. He will join us in roughly an hour from now. NFL headlines galore. That's where we will start this afternoon as well as the Raiders and Ravens put on a show, as did Peyton and Eli Manning on ESPN2. Glad everyone's with us today. Gentlemen, hope you're doing well. Doing very well. I, Hutton, I don't think that the Monday night football season could have started much better uh, than the Manning cast combined with a wild finish between Vegas and Baltimore. Well, you talked, uh, Chad, about the two biggest spreads of the weekend being Sunday night, Monday night football. Uh, Sunday night, it uh, surpassed the spread, but Monday night we got overtime. And the telecast, we were, we were buzzing about uh, on, on our text chain. Um, it, it was, it, it, Peyton was too hyped up for it early, and he was trying to do too much. The headset and the whiteboard, there's only so much time between plays, if you're, even if you're going to talk about the game and not every play. But I thought as they settled in, it was terrific and energizing and fantastic. But at the same time, my brother, a Giants fan, an Eli Manning fan, was texting me how bad it was. <laughs> so it's not for everybody, and the ratings weren't for everybody. Us and everybody on our Twitter uh, followers were watching that. But most of America was watching the regular broadcast. Um, so it's a niche audience. But for us, I, I think the three of us will say every Monday night that it's on, we're watching it. And the Monday nights it's not on, we're going to be pissed off that it's not on. And I believe it moves to online only ESPN Plus starting next week. Is that right? It will not be on ESPN no, too. That a was bummer. a bait to get people in mm-hmm. to get subscribers well, to ESPN I've got, Plus. I've got Plus, but I don't like it's. It's a little bit slow. Uh, you're not quite live, and your Twitter feed might be ahead of your television stream. That I don't like because I don't want to see what happens on my phone before I see what happens on my TV. But I thought. <clears throat> I, I thought the guest, I, Russell Wilson was really good at the end, though I thought his audio was poor. I thought he was the best of the guests. Ray Lewis was good, too. But the guests have the potential to bog it down a little. Ultimately, I liked the two of them talking football in the small boxes on the screen with the game still being prominent. But I thought some of the stuff that they talk about and the stories they told were excellent. And I prefer it much more than, than the traditional commentator. This is revolutionary. I, I if you did not like that, if you're someone like your brother, Paul, that just hated it, to me... He then, thought Eli was born. Well, to me, though, I think you only... Really, you only hate it because you're so used to the normal broadcast that I you can't too. go away from it. So anything else... And it does seem weird. You know, when they started these national championship college football broadcasts, 
with the coaches' film room and different perspectives. It was weird at first to have the game just barely on in the background with some, a little bit of crowd noise and then people talking over it. But I think once you get past that and get used to it, I don't know how you could watch that entire broadcast, which I did last night, and not come away with something that you loved. If you hated all of that, you hate life. You hate everything. There had to be something, even the staunchest critic or cynic out there, had to take something away from that broadcast that you liked. And they had a halftime meeting. The producer told them, more football. You know, the, the whiteboard and the, and the gimmicks that Peyton, and Peyton was going really, really fast early, right? He was trying to get everything in. And they slowed it down, and it was more football in the second half, and I thought it got better as it went on. I loved it, and uh, I, I don't mind the number of guests. I think four is the, is the right number. I can't wait to see what they unveil. Give me a four, four quarters of the Mannings and Tom Brady, which is going to happen. Brady's going to be one of their guests. There's no doubt about it after the success of last night. And then you start rolling through the, the people in Hollywood that would jump on. I would want them on camera constantly. Who what, can't they get? What I foresee this becoming is a late-night talk show for Monday Night Football where you have people on set with a, night, uh, a nighttime set watching the game in real time as they're in the same room together. To me, that's where this is headed, and it's not just sitting there on a, on a camera talking to each other on IFB. I think this is more in-room, in-person, where they bring guests out. My next guest is so-and-so, and and they they fly them in and bring them out on set. I I think there are endless possibilities with this format, especially when you get them all in a room together off the cuff. This was weird to me as I read the reviews today, and I think it was Richard Deitch who said, and clearly they did this because the next one, Peyton is going to be in Denver, and Eli is going to be in Jersey or, or New York or wherever he is, so they will be separate. But last night, they were in separate studios of ESPNs at the Seaport in New York. Right. Because uh, I think Peyton was there for something related to an ESPN personality, maybe a funeral, and, and whatever. So they were, like, next door to each other. So I was like, well, if you're next door to each other, sit on the couch next to each other, right? But then we would have been bummed out next time, I guess, when they're not on the couch next to each other, and they didn't want to set up for that. But that fire alarm's not in Eli's apartment. That, that fire alarm's in an ESM, ESPN studio. Well, uh, Lieutenant Dan on our YouTube chat says, they need to be in the same room to play off each other. Didn't like yes. how there was the delay, awkward silence while waiting on the other. Paul, that kind of gets to your point about them being in separate studios at ESPN. I, I'm watching it and thinking how cool it would be if they had alternating weeks where one or the other hosts it's Peyton yeah, flying out, out to out. Eli's Jersey house or Eli flying to Denver and he's in Peyton's basement and they're kind of making fun of each other's house. <laughs> you know, just the way they, they rib each other the whole time. It'd be like, we don't have any dip out or anything. You know, what's, what's going on here would be a really cool element to it. Um, I don't know why you couldn't do that other than just convenience for those guys more than anything I think else. That's what it is. And also keep in mind, and, and this was in Richard Deitch's piece, this is produced by Manning's Omaha Productions. So Peyton Manning has his hands all over this. This is what he wanted to do. This is his vision. This is in part his production team, combined with ESPN putting this on. That's why, Hutton, I do agree with you that they're going to get more and more celebrity oh, friends yeah. involved. It's not just going to be via Zoom. They could get anyone on, on Zoom. They but think about so what I envision is more of a Jimmy Fallon-esque set where you have someone behind the curtain and you walk the, you, they're your next guest, like a nightly, like a, 
late night with Jimmy Fallon or whatever. Yeah, but I those guys he, aren't going to come in. Ray Lewis isn't going to show up. Certainly current players aren't going to show up, right, on a Monday night. They're yeah. studying film. They're going to they, – But it doesn't have to be current players, Paul. That, that's the thing. You, you're thinking narrow with football. This is going to be very broad with everything he has his hands in from Hollywood to music to every – I mean, that's, that's where they're going to grab the casual viewer – and pull them into the ESPN property. Well, yeah. I, right? I, yeah. I, I wonder, though, as they decide what they want it to be, and they've got a big evolutionary oh, process yeah. ahead of them, and they can, how they much can have they want on the Zoom. casual viewer and how much they want the, the kind of viewers they got last, last night, which definitely started out with the X and O type viewer who wanted to have the football conversation, wanted to, wanted to peer in on three quarterbacks talking about overtime last night what which is i want what you got i want I mean, them i want them talking football with three minutes to go fourth quarter and in overtime yeah like i it, it, and i'm glad russell wilson was there i wish they would have let him go at the end of regulation well, i i don't want i don't like the that there were producers telling them what to do at halftime like leave them alone it, it was <laughs> no, totally fine i don't think they what, what was the advice they needed well, you can't you can't go to the whiteboard over three plays to illustrate what he illustrated. Well, yeah, but that's he done. Was, he mean, was a little bit too frantic and fast, and they slowed him down a little. I bit. don't. I, I thought it was. I mean, it, I it, think he wants. I the, think he the wants most, notes. But here's yeah. Here's what these guys understand, and I think Peyton Manning definitely gets it. It's entertainment. I mean, I don't. I don't need them all up on a chalkboard talking football X's and O's. But it needs to be a mix of everything. Whatever they want to do, I think those guys play off each other well enough. And even the guests they brought on, maybe it was just the perfect cast of guests. They're going to have duds for guests at some point that just don't mesh with them, that aren't good as all. Russell Wilson was perfect uh, to be there with him at the end yeah, of that game. he was game. really good. Charles Barkley was great. Peyton Manning asked him, How much, what, who'd you put money on tonight? As his first question when he hopped on was terrific. Let them be them and let it go wherever it goes. I don't need a producer in their ear telling them to do one thing or the other. I thought the helmet bit was funny uh, when he couldn't fit it on his head and it looked like a little peanut on the top of Peyton's <laughs> head. And you had Eli saying, you know, they don't make 4X helmets, so you're out of luck on that one. Uh, Eli giving Peyton crap about how he controlled the Indianapolis crowd and they did whatever he said. They'd shut up for him and Peyton getting visibly angry over the Vegas crowd cheering when Derek Carr and, and the Raiders were on offense. The, the PB&J story about Jim Harbaugh that he's never told. All of those things were so good. My only the fear apology was... letter to the official that he couldn't make. I mean, Peyton's going to have a story for everyone. Everything. Like yeah. He had the great Greg Roman tie-in with Jim Harbaugh when he was being courted by the 49ers, and he's at David Cutcliffe's house. And if you didn't hear it, David Cutcliffe hosts them. They do the workout, and Mrs. Cutcliffe comes in and says, hey, do you guys want anything to eat? And everybody's giving the polite, no, we're fine, thank you. And you could see Jim Harbaugh thinking about it, that he's actually kind of hungry, and he asked for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then Greg Roman, Peyton asked him a question about the game. Greg Roman responds and says, just to make sure this is actually Peyton, what was the sandwich that Jim asked for in the Cutcliffe home? And he had to answer PB&J. Things like that, I don't think Peyton's ever going to run out of those. Let's make sure that we have those each week for the teams involved. I think they made an excellent decision. When this first came out that they were doing it, they didn't announce a host or a mediator. And then over time, it came out that there wouldn't be a host or a mediator. And I was wondering, uh, maybe they're going to need somebody. They absolutely do not. It would overcrowd the set. There would be no place to put a third face. I still want a big screen of the game. 
I think two boxes for them is fine. I think it's fine for them not to be on screen sometimes. Yes. When the yes. big play comes, put that we all have giant screen TVs. We want to see the play in big, uh, you know, full size. I think it's terrific that there's not some kind of mediator. They mediate themselves just fine. You don't need to, to put that in there. I think that could have been a little bit more clear on the front side. Like, I, I was a little bit late to it, but they had Riddick and Greasy, whatever, doing the pre. There was no pregame. So people that were tuned into this, apparently uh, one of those reviews said, you know, people were pissed off that they didn't see them for the first 15 minutes before kickoff. They go right into the game, right, right to them. I think it's going to be wonderful to watch it evolve and, and see what they do. And I, I, I disagree. I think Peyton wants notes. He's going to get good notes. He's going to sift through what, what's good feedback and what's bad feedback, yeah. just like he would do with Tom Moore and, and whoever else uh, as, a, as a quarterback. Yeah, I, I will say um, I thought the unscripted stuff was better. Like, knowing he was going to get to that uh, whiteboard and do that, that wasn't as good as their natural reactions. All those screenshots of their facial expressions when the ball's tipped and intercepted. Yes. And even Russell Wilson, and they're all reacting, hands in the air, or all three quarterbacks. Or that's the, the worst route they could run against that coverage. Yeah. Or the, the amount of pass attempts to Waller. You know, or the, it, it, but the story, yeah, I'm, Chad, you're right. The stories were great. The 0.0 story with Ray Lewis and Eli was <laughs> yeah, epic. Yeah, and then when he said Eli's that, hilarious, That's too. Belushi's great about point Eli's, average in Animal House. Eli, there's something about Eli where he uh, eternally looks like a little boy yes, in his face. He does. And just the look on his face at all times. He's such the little brother, but he's hilarious. Coming up, Monday Night Football had it all. The Manning cast, but the game itself was awesome because it had the unexpected heroes, defensive stands, Big plays, a close battle, kicking in the clutch, and so much more. We discussed what we watched last night between the Raiders and Ravens. Look ahead a bit to week two across the NFL, but recap uh, what, what happened in week one. John McClain will help us do that as well. Coming up today at 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock in the East. Shout out to Fox Sports Knoxville, Fox Sports Shoals for joining us uh, across the radio dial. And if you're joining us on YouTube, on Twitter, Facebook, we appreciate that as well. Follow the show at Outkick360. As we go to the break, Toyo's Clinic will help you see better and look better. If you're ready to enjoy the freedom of not wearing glasses or contact lenses, do like I did and visit Dr. Rolando Toyos and Toyos Clinic, the number one LASIK provider in Tennessee. Three locations across Middle Tennessee, and they also have a, a wonderful office in Memphis. And they now offer the latest technology, flapless LASIK. With flapless LASIK, the very next day you can swim, work out, wear makeup, and it's so accurate and convenient that Navy SEALs are getting this procedure. MMA fighters and boxers go right back into training. I was back to hosting the radio show right after my LASIK procedure. And a common misconception is that depending on your age, a remedy to upgrade your eyesight isn't always available, but ages 18 to 88. If you want out of your glasses, Dr. Toyos and Toyos Clinic can help you. If you're 50 or older, ask about the refractive lens exchange. Don't let eyesight and hair growth troubles hold you back. Call 888-315-3937. 888-315-3937 to schedule your LASIK or hair consultation today. 315-3937. 888-315-3937. Toyos Clinic. See better. Look better. Big night last night in Monday Night Football as the Raiders win in overtime over Baltimore. Dramatic fashion at the end where the Raiders should have won in regulation. They end up throwing a pick after 
the touchdown pass and run diving for the pylon was ruled down at the goal line, uh, inches away from the goal line, a yard short. They end up throwing the, the pick. They can't run it in. They can't quarterback sneak. It's bizarre that they could not run a play to get that yard uh, and end up throwing that pass after the false start. And then Lamar Jackson fumbles for the second time in the game as uh, the, the Raiders' pass rush was, was excellent throughout the night uh, with some timely blitzes. They end up getting the football back, taking it to overtime. Kickers clutch towards the end as well. I should point that out uh, with Carlson and Tucker. And we know the dramatic finish with the drop back off the back foot. It was very uh, Kyler Murray-esque with the throw, PK, with uh, the the touchdown pass to Zay Jones, uh, the unexpected hero of this game for the Raiders wide receiving core. Now Baltimore, now 0-1, takes on Kansas City in week two. And you can join the Kansas City and Baltimore game through FanDuel.com slash OK360. FanDuel.com slash OK360. New users, 30 to 1 odds on either either side, Chiefs or the Ravens, and just a straight money line bet. It's a max bonus of $150, so bet 5 to win 150 The game is this Sunday, Sunday night, 720 Central, 820 Eastern. You uh, deposit $10.00. And you can bet five to win one fifty on either the Ravens or the Chiefs. How about this on the Ravens? Eighty-one and zero before last night in Harbaugh's entire term in games with a two-touchdown lead. Last time they lost a game in which they had a two-touchdown lead, December fifth, two thousand four, against the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. They were up fourteen nothing, right? 14, yep. Yep, 14 points at one point. Really Uh, bad. Cleland Farrell on the bench in this game, a healthy scratch. Oakland, lots of curious personnel decisions, but string together enough in this game, despite all that, to to find a way to win, an impressive win. But I think Baltimore's got some, some issues. Chad, how about the goal line where they can't get in in overtime, give it back to Baltimore, Baltimore coughs it back up, and they end up getting the touchdown on the walk-off. Well, the sneak, going back to the Manning cast also, I was interested to see Russell Wilson hated the sneak when he said, do not do this, when they were sneaking Derek Carr at the goal line. And I'm thinking, I, I figured a quarterback a would be – I love the sneak. I wish Tennessee would have sneaked it uh, mm-hmm. on fourth and goal instead of going shotgun and handing it off. But he hated it. They immediately, no, 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 no don't, don't do that. And, of course, Carr doesn't get in. Uh, the right tackle, I think it was Leatherwood, the, the rookie out of it Alabama. Was moves they go back and then eventually leads to the batted ball and the interception crazy turn of events where you had players celebrating some shaking hands thinking the game was over (laughs) they review it then it's down at the one then it's okay now baltimore's going to go down and win it at this point they start to get it moving a little bit lamar jackson fumbles uh just again it the perfect opener for monday night football uh, was that game in that stadium with fans in it for the first time Crazy set of circumstances. You got John Gruden on the sideline. You've got the Manning cast happening. I, I just thought it was much like Thursday night was pretty perfect for the NFL with the game they got between Tampa Bay and, and Dallas. I thought Monday Night Football was was pretty perfect for the NFL. Could you throw it to Waller anymore? I mean, I mean uh, it's 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 like um, I took that prop on Waller like being the leading football. receiver in the in the country in the league this year. I mean, if they're going to throw to him at that percentage, all he's got to do is up the catch rate. I mean, what was his target number? Because he had 10 catches. I think he had 19 targets. <laughs> I mean, that, that, think, I mean, how many possessions do you get in a game? And they're, I mean, they're force-feeding it to him. 
I loved also when Charles Barkley was on, uh, they overthrew a receiver, and he said, come on, you've got to make that throw. And Eli was defending Carr. He said, that, that's not the easiest throw. He put that where it needed to be. And Charles Barkley said, five feet over his head. <laughs> he said, where it needed to be. He said, oh, he could have touched Barkley it. Barkley representing then they got into the, Well, us. if he can touch it, he can catch it. You know, Peyton was saying, quarterbacks believe if it, it can be touched, it can be caught. Receivers have a different philosophy on that. Do we think this, again, a long season, do the Raiders look back on this crazy finish as a game that gets them into the postseason as a wild card? Well, better for Mike Mayock, especially. Gruden's probably okay, given his contract situation. It's an AFC win, so there's a tiebreaker scenario there. This is, this is playoffs. That's a good win for them. This is playoffs for pink slips for some in that organization for the Raiders. It, it, it is put up or shut up time. So, yes, a win over an AFC team. In Baltimore, maybe the decider to get get them well, in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I we look have at to those see AFC what Baltimore wins. becomes. Yes, but right, but Baltimore Baltimore should be a, a, a wild card team at worst. As I watch them play, I mean their defense is fantastic. Uh, Lamar Jackson is dynamic. Why is he moving the ball so much when he's about know. to be tackled? Yeah, he's got to protect Move the, the ball football this better. Way into your body with two arms. Don't be changing hands. Yeah, I, I very agree. Very silly. I agree. I, but, man, is he fun to watch carry the football. I mean, he's just – I also – let me say this for Baltimore's defense. And they are very good, and they're going to be good this season. They're, I understand that if you were going to be an aggressive defense, you have this coaching mantra of we're going to be aggressive all the time. We are not going to lose back on our heels. We are going to blitz. We are going to go zero coverage. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to press man. We're going to do all these things all the time. There are times to take the foot off the gas a bit. And I feel like the Ravens were really bad last night at knowing when to dial it back just a little bit to give your guys a better chance. The end of that game was a classic example where they went all out uh, on Derek Carr on that play and left their guys out on island. They got burned because of it, and they, they lost the game in the end because of it. But there are times I know that it's, it's, it's live by it, die by it type mantra uh, with football guys. But you know, sometimes you've got to pull back a little you, bit. Yeah, and you maybe have to pull it back a little bit when you're down your best cornerback for all of three or four days at the time that you've had to adjust. That's a great point. And then Humphrey um, was hurt too during the course. But I think it furthers my point, though. They treated Derek Carr like a very average to below average quarterback. Yeah, by did. the way, they treated the end of that game. You blitz the average to below average. You never blitz Tom Brady decision. or Peyton Manning yeah, in that correct. situation. And they were all out with going after Derek well, Carr. He's somewhere to me, in the middle. To me, that's, and he is average for NFL starting quarterback. Well, but they're telling you they don't, they don't believe he's going to dial it up and make a big pass. Which like he did. They, it, they're gonna, he, they would rather bank on the fact that he's going to make the errant throw, ball's going to be tipped, or he's going to make the wrong decision. Or, or they're going to trick him. And they, they didn't do it last night, uh, despite what was a very slow start for Carr uh, in that game. Uh, and how about the kickers? I don't know if it, they're going to get a lot of national run. But uh, look, if I could stand up right now behind this desk, this I would is, and give a standing ovation. This is why Baltimore's in the playoff hunt, even after with, with some of the problems that they'll have injury-wise. Because if it's a close game, they're winning. They're winning on Justin Tucker's leg. In anywhere inside the 50, Automatic. they're winning. And same could go for Daniel Carlson last night, who had a 55-yarder to force overtime. Terrific pressure pack situation. Added pressure that's the first – it's not the first home game, but the first true home game with fans packed, all the atmosphere of Monday night football involved in that. Uh, to be able to drive back down, get in position to force overtime. Uh, and and what, it, right down the center. I mean, it was a, a pressure pack clutch kick by Carlson as well. 
props to the kickers in the game. They're not going to get a lot of talk because there's a lot of different storylines from last night, but they, they drilled it. And we're talking to you from a city that's about to see its team use the ninth <laughs> field goal kicker in the last three years on Sunday. And we don't know who that guy is yet. The team put out a depth chart yesterday with blanks at kicker and kickoff. <laughs> Let me, uh, it's not even the or. You know, sometimes coaches no. like to give the or on the depth chart. No, they so don't, don't, have, they don't have one on the roster. There's no or. Like, or's not even well, starting. finding out who Michael is Orr's not even starting a kicker. There's no or out there. Let me rant just uh, temporarily, if I may, uh, on this, on, on the kickers we saw last night. Yes. I can understand now, and I've come to full acceptance of the fact that there are not 32 great NFL quarterbacks out there. There are not 34 humans, 30, excuse me, 32, 32 humans that can play that position at an extremely high level. I've come to grips with that. I'm having a hard time coming to grips with the fact that there aren't 32 men or women that can kick to Justin Tucker's level <laughs> in the NFL. Playing we left an era. I feel like from 1990 to 2004, there were a bunch of Jason Hansons in the league. That was a lifetime. You were a Supreme Court justice if you were an NFL kicker. It was a lifetime appointment until you retired. And every NFL team had a competent kicker. And somewhere along the way, we have lost our way in a football society when it comes to the kicker. If you are a parent out there, Work your son or daughter, as we saw with Sarah Fuller, on kicking. Find 32 great kickers to be in the NFL. It cannot be that hard. I refuse to believe. I understand the job is difficult. There has to be 32 people who can do it at that level consistently that are your 32 NFL kickers. Rant over. Well, uh, I'll go back a little bit and refer the problem to, to your favorite level of football. Uh, how about colleges send some of them up to the NFL or, where they're rolling out people who can't find well, anything? Well, look, I'm, I'm ranting on football. I'm talking Pop Warner to junior high to high school to college up to the NFL. I need the process. We're here at Old Smoky. They make moonshine here. There's a process to make the moonshine. It rises up. You take the moonshine out. Rise you put it in a jar. Up. I need that football process to rise to the tumult and to pour out 32 beautiful kickers who consistently make kicks wherever they're from. I need that to happen badly well, for my enjoyment. How consistent? Because a bad NFL kicker can make 85% of his kicks. Yeah. Tucker makes 90. I need Tucker. I want 32 Tuckers. This is my point. I don't think that kicking the football Tucker McCain? is that elite of a skill <laughs> that we can't find 32. Not that Tucker, Paul. Not that Tucker. It's not something that you can't find 32. And you're right. It's a failure of every level of football. It's bad in college. It's gotten bad worse in, in the NFL. High schools. We need, uh, we need I-, I thought it's not really helping the Titans situation currently, but we need more James Wilhoits out there, guys who are kicking specialists that go out and train kickers, get them ready for college. Let's funnel up a process that – Leaves us with 32. I'll begin to solve the, the problem for you. Want a, a beginning of the solution of the problem? I want something. All right, here in the South. Give it to me. Where we live in Nashville, Tennessee, football season and soccer season coincide or don't coincide? They do not coincide. At least now, here's the thing with all you sports now. It's year long if you're dedicated to a sport. But the high school soccer season for boys is spring. Yes. Girls soccer season's fall. Okay. In other parts of the country, it coincides. Let the best foot from the soccer team 
Come over to the football team. Don't give me all this, oh, he's got to practice and do all of the things the whole rest of the team does. Let the best kid from the soccer team come over to the football team and spend an hour or two a week or whatever it takes and then be your kicker and actually score you three points at a time because he's better than the guy you've got who's going to stand around for two hours a day at your practice. He will be a better kicker. Because he kicks all day long at soccer practice and in soccer games. I think that a lot of football guys out there, the hardcore football guys that are typically coaches, have such a disdain for kickers in the kicking position. And soccer players. That they don't think outside the box. Here's an example. It's hilarious to me that we are just now watching these Australian 32-year-old college rugby sensations come over to the U.S. and just dominate punting. Yeah. As if no one could have thought of that idea years ago. Guys, you know, there's another sport that maybe they want to go and get a free ride and they could help us, that this is what they do. They run and kick. And this could be a real good weapon as a punter, and we're just now figuring these things out. I think it's the lack of foresight at that, and the fact that I don't think coaches really think much about it. They just don't care as much it's about also it. Very, it uh, it's also very – opposite of an NFL locker room, the kicker mentality. They are so quirky that I mean, it, it, they have a different state of mind with their repetition and formula than any other player. And that includes punting. Um, the, for instance, when Ryan Suckup went off the deep end here and he couldn't make a kick, he needed a reset. And he went to Tampa and now things are well. And, and part of it's the injury situation with Ryan Suckup and why he's not here. But he also wasn't kicking that well when he came back. And then he went to Tampa, and he's a, a, he won a Super Bowl. He is a very consistent player for Tampa. Cairo Santos is another example who's very accurate. All of a sudden, Parky, uh, uh, Titans had Parkey. a whole bunch of guys roll through here who were there, garbage, who were good. Then there, there are guys that that come through Nashville or in, in any well, team. Parky was and good. You here, just actually. get how many kickers the Bears went through for that two or three year span. Um, where you cannot find the right guy in the right state of mind when he – it's like a golf swing. When it's off, he goes through two or three coaches before he actually corrects whatever issue is going on. It's the same mindset here. And the best the, – the greatest kickers that we're seeing right now never go through that lull. They're, when they drop off, they drop 2% instead of 7% on their accuracy rating. I, I will admit, even after my rant, that – when it comes to that psychological advantage that you're just not scarred by one bad kick and you never have that lull, and I'm thinking of uh, Jason Hansen, a Justin Tucker that we Vinatieri, talked about. Yeah, up until his last. I think Harrison Butker for Kansas City is on that path also. Those guys are special, and that mentality is special. But let's also, just like what I'm saying about let's get 32 really good kickers across the NFL, I think there needs to be more than 32 to where when you have kicker PTSD that you're talking about, Hutton, yeah. where for whatever reason, you know, Ryan Suckup looks up and sees the two-tone blue in front of him, and he can't kick anymore until he goes and gets another color in front of him blocking. Or the stadium has, has thrown him off. And now mentally he can't get over that hurdle. Well, once you have someone phase out mentally, there should be another guy ready to plug in there and hit field goals. Now, see, I, I get what you're saying, but I think the game's a lot less fun if all 32 kickers are rolling out and hitting 90%. 
And that missed extra point, which is what they were going for when they moved the line back, makes the games a lot more interesting when it's 17-16 instead of 17-17. It makes it more interesting, but I will still take, at the, especially at the highest level of any sport, excellence over mystery. Yeah, well, it's surprising the degree I don't, of I don't excellence want, that's missing. I don't want uh, a poor play to be the reason for excitement. I want 64-yard attempts to be the reason for excitement with guys that are great. I, I'll go with you there. What do you make of the Raiders overall, Paul? Like I said, I kind of have to see what the Ravens are before I know exactly what that win meant. But they fought back, which was impressive. They withstood. I mean, you can't get... I, I liked what I saw last night. Carr s- stood in, fought back. I don't think they used Jacobs enough. I think th- there was a lot of talk amongst like the I agree. inside football people on Twitter last night. Like if you put Jacobs on a lot of other teams, he'd get a lot more usage. He'd be a lot more productive. I, I don't understand how they don't use him more. I, I would hope that they would use him more. I think he could benefit them more when you're busy throwing the Waller 19 times. Everything seems to be a struggle. Yes. Uh, early a struggle for them. I don't, I don't ever see – I mean, look, I'm sure there's been examples of this. It's just whenever they're on the national platform and I'm watching every snap, I don't, I don't see it easy on, on Vegas or Oakland. It's always a struggle and a slow start where they have to battle back and give them credit. They're a 500 team or just above or just below a 500 team in recent years. I mean, they're in games, but it's, what we saw last night and the way that they gave it away, then got it back. And, and I thought Gruden had a great line. He was like, I was a cat tonight. I, I lived nine times uh, with how many deaths I had on the sideline with how that game played out. Um, you know, the celebration, um, Manning's had a great line about the jersey swap <laughs> after, uh, after the touchdown that was not the touchdown. It was just a, a weird finish, but a finish that I think we look back on uh, three and a half months from now and see the Raiders still in the thick of it because of the AFC win in a tiebreaker scenario. I do think they are at a crossroad organizationally and beyond Mayock. It may be Carr. I mean, he's good and he's not good. Is he good enough for you to do something? It's time for them to do something. Yes. You know, they're in the building now. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've gotten their people on the roster. Are they good enough or are they not good enough? Question for both of you guys. When you watch the Raiders play and you watch the way their game is coached, do you feel like when the Raiders win, it's because of John Gruden in part, or do they win in spite of John Gruden? I, I don't think John Gruden is anything like everybody was anticipating when the whole world wanted John Gruden for their open job, whatever it was. I, I, I watch, and what you said, Hutton, about everything just looks difficult. There's nothing ever in a game for the Raiders that looks easy. I really start to think, man, they win a lot of times or have any success in spite of John Gruden, in spite of his overly complicated offensive vocabulary, in spite of his game management, which was awful last night, where the kicker doesn't even know he's kicking. And yeah, they said they couldn't he find him. Aldo Greco. He was at the net. They kicking. said they couldn't find him. And they, I mean, that's, but that's on coaching. I mean, that's ultimately on the head coach also to know where the kicker is or have your assistants know where the kicker is if he's about to kick early. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like Gruden a lot, but there are times I watch them and I think they're winning in spite of John Gruden, not because of him, which I didn't think I'd say when they hired him. Coming up, college football quarterback decisions that took place a month or so ago that are now being reset in some major programs and how it could actually work in that team's benefit. 
That is all uh, straight ahead. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience with the vitamin packs here. I take two, these each morning. The grab-and-goes, uh, the vitamin C, may I? glutathione, you may. Thank Outkick you. 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us at Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website. You can get more info. Vita, V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com. And our Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount by using the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. Here is Aurora, unique cutting-edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Long story short, it's not a capsule. It's going to stay in your digestive system, and it's not going to be broken down. I use the vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione, simple single-use packets I can grab and go in the mornings. And Aurora supplements, they're also going to help you if you're a weekend warrior, if you take medication for high cholesterol, and so much more. Visit vitalifescience.com, V-I-D-A lifescience.com for more information. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. 15% off. OUTKICK360 is the code at Vital. LifeScience.com. Just over 10 minutes away from John McClain of the Houston Chronicle joining us. Outkick 360 live from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Time to win a little cash tonight. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is where you can turn to join us for the 360 parlay, our daily parlay, which takes place right here on the show. And guys, I'm going to Major League Baseball. We hit last night. Easy does it. You hit last night. Steady wins, steady wins the race all here. For one, I want for all. Three-leg parlay, all favorites tonight across Major League Baseball, starting with the Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati still clinging to a playoff spot. They open a series with Pittsburgh. Um, and look, it, a, a good situation. Wade Miley has been outstanding against Pittsburgh this season. And the Pirates, while they're playing hard, just are not good. The Reds get it done. Yankees are starting Cole. They should win. And Arietta is starting for San Diego, which is an automatic fade situation for me. He was so bad in Chicago that he, that he was waived. San Diego just needs to cover innings here. And uh, I'm taking the uh, Giants money line. Who treated us well last night. That's right. Giants money line. Yankees money line. Reds money line. $5 will pay back $15.83 at FanDuel.com slash OK360. Big college football quarterback decisions are happening this weekend while some of these games that are going to be uh, involved are not all that impactful on paper they are big for where these programs are headed at the biggest position on the field starting well, I'll, I'll start with Tennessee where you have Hendon Hooker who I think is, is starting uh, Joe Should Milton's be. listed as the starter on the depth chart, but he's banged up. I mean, I don't know his health situation. If Hendon Hooker comes out and plays well against Tennessee Tech, are we going to learn all that much about Hooker? No. But if, he, if he's not crisp, if he's not good, we will learn a lot about Hendon Hooker at, at, at quarterback. So uh, if he's the guy there, could they move forward with him going into the Florida week? Or do they go back and forth with Milton? I, I still think the coaches are believe Milton's going to make some of those throws that he's missing on. Because the arm strength and what they're showing in practice. I mean, he showed up 17 or 18 days of practice and won the job. So he, he beat out two other guys that have been there in the spring. Take that for what it, it, it matters. He showed up on campus and won the job in limited practice time. Texas with Casey Thompson. Um, he's the, the, he was the backup. Hudson uh, Card beat him out. 
Casey Thompson's now taking over for Texas. They're playing Rice this weekend. And the interesting scenario is in Florida. Florida's hosting Alabama as we head to Gainesville on Friday. And they have Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones. Anthony Richardson has accounted for like a third of their total offensive yards as the backup QB. At some point, don't you ride the hot hand? At some point, do you layer things on top of that? And then Texas A&M, we learned yesterday that Haynes King is going to be out for at least half the season, maybe longer. Uh, They have uh, Calzado, who didn't play well when he entered the game against Colorado. Uh, Can can he get some things going? Uh, I believe they play New Mexico this weekend. I think the Haynes King is the easiest uh, answer there as to, in terms of what I saw from Calzada in that game against Colorado. That's who the option should be for A&M. I also believe that Dan Mullen is who I would bet on to make the right decision, whatever that may be, between Jones and Richardson. It'll be both. he has the track record of working with quarterbacks. But we could see a week he's going to make the right decision. We could see Tennessee and Florida rotating quarterbacks. And I'd, I'm okay with that, uh, more so from a Tennessee perspective. Florida's got a lot more expectation-wise to play for this year. Tennessee's got to figure out who their guy is. Well, why, why, why do you still want to see Milton? Well, here's, here's why you want to see Milton. Um, he missed deep throws, okay? He missed a couple deep throws in the first game. But there are some things that are seen and some things that are unseen. What I also saw with Milton was he was very good at intermediate passing, uh, and he was good in this game also. Here's something I saw with Hendon Hooker. Um, and, and Josh Heupel didn't completely roll him under the bus on this, and he he's doesn't do that to his players. I don't think we'll ever hear him do that, honestly, the way Jeremy Pruitt would do it. Uh, he had a misread on the fourth and goal. Now, the, the refs had a misread on third down because it was a first down, and they, they missed that up. They messed it up, and I think Josh Heupel should have challenged. Mm-hmm. He didn't. They thought they had a play drawn up that was similar to the first touchdown of the game. Uh, a, go under center and sneak it would be my option because they, they can go under center in that offense at some point, but that is supposed to be either a hooker keep to get the first down. It's not the play that was designed. Uh, those are the unseen things that maybe Joe Milton does better than Hendon Hooker. Paul. Getting them in the right play, getting them in the right run play, we don't necessarily know about that with Hendon Hooker. That's why I want to see more of both. You know why they want to see more of Joe Milton? Because they paid him to be there. And he has three years of eligibility left. I mean, he didn't just transfer from Michigan and choose Tennessee randomly. Repeatedly making the, <laughs> the, the same mistake well, look, in, a, you can in say, a department that's not correctable in my eyes. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. Hendon Hooker has played a lot of football and started a lot of games at Virginia Tech and left because his job was taken Agreed. from him. Can he throw uh, passes so these are two guys who are, These are two guys heights. who have started. Chad, am I, am I wrong in thinking? I mean, look, I saw Hendon Hooker also throw passes. You keep doing the different heights. I saw Hendon Hooker throw two this high, straight out of bounds on a simple out <laughs> to someone that looked like an end-over-end punt at times. So, I, look, I don't think either guy is perfect. I completely oh, no. see why the coaching staff would want Milton to be the guy with his skill set and the way he looks throwing the football. But he's got to learn to take something off of it, and it's a valid question to ask, is that going to happen at some point? If he's not developed a change-up yet, I don't know that it's magically going to happen. I'll say this also. In game one, again, Bowling Green, not going to be able to tell much. We saw a lot more. I could tell a lot more in the Pittsburgh game. In game one, he wasn't even throwing to wide open guys at times. He wasn't even seeing them. He was locking in on his first target and trying to go there. This game, I mean, this is a weird positive to take away. At least he's throwing to the open guy. 
even though he's missing him by five yards and throwing over his head, at least he saw the yeah. guy streaking down the middle of the field. Because, Hutton, you saw this in game one. He didn't look in the middle of the field. Everything was Everything on the was outside. outside. This game, he's looking down the middle of the field more. I just I can't help but just go back to how little practice time he was there. And he stepped in, and he was the top quarterback. He did that for a reason. And you could say, well, maybe he's – Yeah, it's an indictment of the guys he beat. Well, not an indictment. It's a, it's a, there's a reason he showed up on campus. That's my point. And he's got three years of eligibility left. And he's transferring from Michigan to Josh Heupel's offense. Uh, there was incentive for him to show up in Knoxville. And, yep. and so there's investment there that they're going to make sure that they get a return on if they, if they can and not judge him off of Bowling Green in Pittsburgh. Well, there's a big clamoring for Harrison Bailey from Tennessee fans right now. I know that is all the talk in Knoxville that everybody wants to see Harrison Bailey play in this offense. Um, Harrison Bailey is a very different quarterback from both Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker. Uh, I think you need the quarterback run option in this offense, and, and Bailey doesn't give you that. John McClain is coming up. We're about to talk some NFL headlines. Big takeaways from week one. Biggest surprise win across the league. John watched one of them as Houston blew out Jacksonville. McClain's next on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.